Father, we want to thank you for your presence this morning. We say, Lord, we want your ways more than anything. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to worship God. You know, what we have in the kingdom of God is freedom, and that freedom is the freedom to choose. foundation of the kingdom of God is freedom, freedom to choose. But freedom to choose means freedom not to choose, right? We're not creating a coercive system where people are forced into choosing God. We give them an opportunity to choose God. And that's the way God works. God demonstrates over and over again to the nations that following him is the best course of action, but he still gives nation states the freedom to say yes or to say no. And over the long run, what we see is nations either prosper or don't prosper based on those choices. And those choices stand as a monument of what's true and what's not. That's the part of the wisdom that cries in the streets. But it's not only nation states, it's individuals. Individuals like us here today, we have the choice to draw near to God or to not draw near to God. You know, sometimes that's hard because you have to watch people not drawing near to God and you can't make them. Nor can you become responsible for the fact that they're not drawing near to God. You have to release them. We say, well, isn't that unloving to watch somebody suffer? No, what's unloving is to bring somebody into servitude so that they lose their freedom of choice. And so God is giving us and reinforcing again and again, saying, you choose, you choose, you choose. So I pray today, as we've opened a way through prayer this morning, as the worship team starts to declare the goodness of God, that we will take that choice, that power of choice that we have, and draw near to him today. Because he is, he is like the sun in its brilliance that gives life to the atmosphere that is our earth. He is, he is the light. He is the rain that comes down and brings refreshing. He is the source of all that is good. So we say right now in the name of Jesus, God, we as those who believe, we choose to draw near. We choose to draw near. We choose to draw near today. Father, in the name of Jesus. Shikati o tenino kuela brande ezro kalayo remarondo kanario bresha. We draw near to you. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. That means he will manifest himself on the altar of praise. And so let's praise and worship him today because what we need is more of him. Can you say amen? Father, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you.
Let's just pause for a second. You know, I, I, I know that there are so many scenarios and so many lives represented in this room. And uh, we prayed and we've asked God at different times, God, we want everything that you have. We pray the prayer of, you know, John, where we've said, Lord, that you might increase and I might de decrease. And a part of our problem is we undervalue or under, underestimate the cost of that and what it's gonna what's going to happen in our lives when God actually starts to do these things. But we have these passages like Hebrews 12 that says he will shake everything that can be shaken. And uh, that's a hard thing because when you're asking God to do these things, you don't imagine that it's going to actually happen like that. But everything shaken means everything. Everything shaken means God is reaching into your being. He's, in, he's reaching into the places where uh, you had an equilibrium, where you had a safety, where you had a stability, where things were, you know, you thought you knew what you were doing in this Christian thing. And all of a sudden, everything starts to go upside down. And that happened for the prophet John the Baptist. And he was arrested. He was put in prison. And then he sends a messenger to Jesus, and he asks him this question. He says, are you the one who was to come, or should we look for someone else? And when you look at that doubt, you think, how could you, John the Baptist, wonder about these things? You were the one that said, this is he. You were the one who saw the dove fall on him. You were the one who prophesied his entrance into the kingdom of God. You were the, you were the prophetic voice. How can you doubt now? And my pastor Gideon said this when we were in uh, Israel. He said this. He said, don't doubt in the dark what you knew or saw in the light. And this is what I want to say to us as we're worshiping God today. Let the shaking happen. But decide today you will not doubt in the midst of shaking what you knew to be true when things were stable. This is the test of faith that brings forth faith purified as gold. Can you hold on to what you saw in the light now that you are standing seemingly in the dark? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, can everybody hear me? Please don't be distracted. This is important. Make a stand right now. I will not doubt. I will not doubt. Though everything is being turned upside down, though my whole life, the equilibrium, the emotional, the perspective, everything, I will not doubt. God, you are true. God, you are true. God, you are true. Do not believe the voices of darkness. Do not believe the voices of doubt. God will restore you to a place of light, but only in as much as you choose to hold on while you're in the dark. You are not stepping back. I want to say you are stepping forward. When God begins to shake everything that can be shaken, it is a sign that there's enough faith there is enough belief, there is enough foundation in your life that he can set you on a firmer place. So, Father, we want to thank you for the trials and the tribulations and for the testings because we have been proven faithful. God, you put us in the dark that we might be a light. God, we declare in the dark the light. We declare in the dark the truth. We shall not be moved. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let the voice of God be true and everything else a lie. I will not be moved. The church at large has been left as infants. We've been left as little children 
and, and leadership has been content to keep us as little children because it's easier to manage little children than it is teenagers and, and adolescents. But we're not here to manage anybody. We're here to raise up an army. And there comes a distinct point in your life where God says, begins to wean you off the milk. And when he begins to wean you off the milk, either you start drinking from a different source or you die. Now, we're not doing this. Nobody is over this. The Holy Spirit is the one who begins to wean you. And what's, what starts to happen is he, he, he does not permit you to get strength from the places you got strength before. And so, whereas you used to get strength and everything from other people's prayers and other people's worship, now he's saying, listen, the victory is near you, even in your mouth. And this is, he is demanding that of us. He's saying, listen, you need to shift so that the source of your strength becomes what comes out of you rather than what comes out of others. You need to shift. This is what maturity is all about. And we have this classic passage of scripture in John where he says, the drink, the, the woman at the well, the drink that I will give you will be followed by another drink and then I will give you another drink and I will give you another drink. Does it say that? No, it doesn't say that. He says, the drink that I will give you will become in you a well. This idea of being perpetually dependent upon another drink that somebody else must create for me, must bring to me, this is servitude, this is slavery, this is immaturity. And the spirit that is against us fears the manifestation of the sons of God, fears the manifestation of mature ones. And mature ones are beginning to be defined by the fact that they begin to live, they've discovered that there is an unending river of life that flows inside of them. And that you can create a, a, you know, a sanctuary of life wherever you are, no matter what kind of desert, no matter what kind of scenario, no matter what kind of warfare is in your life, there is a refuge, there is a source inside of you. How do you discover that? You speak. You begin to declare what you believe. And that is the river. That is the river. The kingdom of God is voice activated. Your voice activates the kingdom of God for you. You have to open your mouth or you will perpetually de be dependent on a show that comes from the stage. Father, in the name of Jesus, we choose this day to begin to shift. Lord, we've heard the prophetic words about shift. We've heard the, about what you're going to do. But Lord, these things are predicated upon a step of faith. They're predicated upon action. They're predicated upon our, our willingness to enter into maturity. So, Father, we will be the sound of your kingdom. We will be the sound of the abundance. and We will be the sound of many waters as a river flows out of every single one of us. We will be the sound of many waters in this community. In Jesus' name, we will be the sound of many waters in this community. Now, make a determination that you will drink from the waters that come out of the well that is your spirit. We volunteer, God. We volunteer our voices even when we don't know what to do or what to say or what to pray. 
God, we volunteer our voices with every little ounce that we know. We say that you are good. You are faithful and true. You are just. You are kind, God, but you are unrelenting as well. You are a holy God, and you demand obedience, God. There is no room for those who disobey and harden their necks and harden their backs and turn from you. God, we volunteer our voices. We volunteer our hearts. God, we bow our knee before you. We choose to respond every way that we read in the word, God. We choose to respond with bows. We choose to respond with clapping. We choose to respond with shouting. We choose to respond with singing. We choose to respond with whirling and dancing. God, we respond with all that we know to do. God, we offer a living sacrifice on the altar. And we ask, let fire fall and consume the sacrifice, God. God, come and meet us in this moment. Break chains, break down walls. God, take us past the places that we don't know what to do anymore. Where there's silence, God, help us fill it. Where there's silence on the inside of our spirit, fill it, God. Let an overflow erupt from that silent place, God. I see you, you are faithful, and so I speak it. The Lord is faithful. I see that you are true. So Lord, I speak, you are true. Everything that you say is true and right and good and just. God, release a creation inside our spirits to release words and release sounds and release tongues and release songs in Jesus' name. Father, I ask that you would open the, the veil, open the curtain to let us see and respond. I see the Lord seated on the throne, high and lifted up, and a whirling of angels. And so I say to you, God, you are great and mighty and there's none like you. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And I see surrounding the throne thousands upon thousands upon thousands of the saints who have gone before, of every tribe and race and nation and tongue. And their voices shout, their voices call out, great is the Lord, great is the Lord, great is the Lord. So open our ears to hear what's going on in the spirit. Open our eyes to see what's going on in heaven and help us to respond, God. declare freedom to the spirits of men in this house. Freedom to the spirits of men in this house. Men and women, young and old, children, boys and girls, freedom in your spirits to respond to God. I hear the Lord declare over you, you are fearless. 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 Let me, let me just begin to the purpose of this. I mean, we are the believers. But he said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. The purpose of this is really to make this place a house of prayer for all nations. I mean, we are not actually, we are not, this is not about us. This is about those who don't have the presence of the Lord. And the shift that God is trying to make is, is for us to be the answer for our communities. That the river of life would flow out of here. Let me share it this way. The highest moments I've experienced spiritually have been in the gatherings. And one of the, one of the, one of the uh, 
uh, characteristics of the gatherings is the numbers of people who release their sound, particularly amongst the Chinese. Like when we had the gathering in, in uh, the first one in Jerusalem, they had about, I, I can't remember, it was 1,500 out of the 3,000 were Chinese. And when you said, lift up your voices, not one of them virtually, I mean, I didn't count, I didn't see every lip, but they just began to make a sound. You know why? Because they haven't lived in the context of church entertainment. They don't have bands. They don't have a lot of musicians. They, can't, they don't have somebody carrying the meeting for them so that they can bask in the flow. They were forced to be the sound of life. And so they just naturally, when, you know, I remember one of the sessions, Eddie Ma got up in front, and he just waited there. He just was pausing for a second. And all of a sudden, they began to sing. 3,000 people, you know, started to, again, it was the Chinese, 1,500. They just began to sing in the spirit. And just the presence, the roar, and like, how did we go from zero to 90 in like five seconds? Why? Because it didn't take an hour of stirring people up to get them to begin to release. We have this idea that, oh, this presence is coming from some mystical beyond spot. It's not. It's coming from out of the people of God. You are the well of God. Yeah. You, the collective yeah. people, are the ones that changes the atmosphere of this place. So we, we are in this habit of waiting for the band to do something to stimulate us enough that we'll actually open our mouths. That has to change. Because you, inside of you, is the word of God that overcomes the world. Do you believe that? This is what Paul was saying. He said, he said the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. I want to say something spiritual. I better, I'm waiting on God for him to tell me that spiritual thing to say. No, that's not the way it works, actually. God is, you are one spirit with God already. You are one spirit with God, and you have autonomy over your spirit. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That means the believer. It wasn't, he's talking about the context of ministry. Those are prophesying. That means you can hold it back, or you can release it at will. If we don't believe that the spirit of God is in us, and we're one, we have to wait for some special permission, some special leading, some special circumstances. When you start to mature, you start to realize, wow, that, you know, I can turn on the tap any day, any time. I could, you know, we don't live in a war-torn, you know, part of the world where the electricity's on or it's not on, where you go to the switch, you're not sure if it's going to, if the lights are going to turn on when you flick it, uh, or the water's going to come out of the tap when you turn the tap. This is the graduation and the maturity. I have a river, and every time I open my mouth, river, water begins to come out. When I begin to praise God, it begins to create an atmosphere. We all recognize those moments when we're in a prayer meeting and somebody gets up and prays. And, we, and while they're praying, we feel enriched by their prayer. You can do the same. The way they got that way was by just doing that. The way they got to the place where they could edify you with their faith is they released their faith. That simple obedience is what is required to become that person. And every single one of us are called to be that person. You know, that's practical even outside of the meeting, right? This isn't just about when we're meeting together. This is, this is intensely practical. I'm going to tell a story on Gaylene here for a second. 
So yesterday we were driving along the road and she started fussing about something. You know, she was just talking about, I got this and I got this and I don't know how I'm gonna fit this in with that and this, that, and then she stopped and she said, whoop, I lost the presence of the Lord. Just like that. And then it's like, well then how do you get the presence of the Lord back? And so you just, you know, uh, or the other day, right? It was like, uh, let's stop talking for a minute. I need to pray in tongues. I just, I, because that, that river's coming out of you. And so when you, when you dam it up, well, then it, it's not coming out. And, and to a large extent, that, that flow, the thing that you're drinking from, is coming actually through you and out of you, and then you're drinking from it. So when you're, when you're parched, the solution's right there already. And so I just want to say, you know, in the meeting, absolutely. When we join our faith together, there's such a, such a power in joining faith together. There really is. It's amazing. Uh, but this is intensely practical for you at home, for you at work, for you at school. When you feel like you've lost the presence of the Lord, well, get it back. This isn't about really God showing up. It's actually about you opening up, right? We, we, we have bad language sometimes. You know, we had the meeting and God showed up. Actually, we had the meeting and a bunch of people allowed the Lord to flow through them. Right? Amen. Amen. When we have a meeting like this, the power of the meeting is not based on the charisma of the person leading the meeting or how on the band is. It is whether we're willing to come out of ourselves. Because the reality is, most of us come here tired. Most of us come here dry. Most of us come here, you know, wanting, you know, do something for me. As you begin to mature uh, in all areas of life, you realize this is not happening unless I, I do this. I mean, this is the trouble with being a mom. And all of a sudden realizing your mom's not going to make pancakes anymore in the morning. If pancakes are going to be made, you have to make them. It's synonymous with maturity. If, if the presence of God is going to be in the room, you have to furnish it. You are the ones that do it. And maturity is coming to the realization that, wow, not only can I do that, but it is my responsibility to do that day in, day out, because others cannot. There's always a percentage of people that cannot access that or don't believe enough to open their mouth. But we, most of us are not that. Most of us have been called. I mean... When, when the Hebrew writers rebuked the first generation Jews for the immaturity, he says, you, by now you should be here and you're still here. Do you, know, do you know the length of time? Like a couple of years. A couple of years. How many have been in church more than a couple of years? Okay. The, what is the point? We have accepted a model of Christianity that is like a restaurant where we go to be to have something prepared for us but yet the scripture says no the work of the ministry is for the saints the work of the ministry is you that out of you out of you out of your innermost being i will give you a drink and that drink will become a river and the question is you need to start asking okay i got the drink i've had a second drink i've had another drink i've suddenly sung dozens of songs about give me another drink. Uh, unfortunately, it's kind of bad theology. We shouldn't be giving another drink or asking for another drink. We should be providing a drink. 
first for ourselves, then for others. Last week, the Lord showed me something about the paralytic lying by the pool where Jesus showed up and said, rise and walk. And now the Lord continued to show me about that. That we have cast ourselves in the church as the paralytic. And maybe that's where we are, that's where we do start as that hopeless paralytic that needs Jesus to come alongside and say, Arise and walk. But God's intention for us is to be the Christ ones on the earth. God means us to be the ones that speak out, arise and walk. We need to stop casting ourselves as a paralytic and we need to start casting ourselves as Christ in that situation. Now that might mean something really practical for someone to say to someone, actually arise and walk. But that also means let life flow from your innermost being so that wherever you are, arise and walk. You walk into this building and something inside of you brings out arise and walk. And so we say, Lord, we stop casting ourselves as a paralytic and we begin to cast ourselves as the Christ ones on the earth, the ones who walk in that strength, who walk in that grace, who walk in that glory, who walk in that energy, who walk in that flow of life. And we want to be those ones who say arise and walk. You know, what's, what's so interesting is that some of the highest warfare spiritually against this church happen over songs like this. Why? Because this is, this is the icing on the cake. When the people start to realize who they're called to be, when they start to declare it, unashamedly and the first thing to come out when we start singing this song is is oh there's just pride and arrogance there and i thought what are you talking about there's pride and arrogance all the time that that is not new but we are trying to come out of that selfishness that self-orientation and this you cannot hold without latching on to something from heaven and I, I was always interested in the ones that were almost wanted to keep people in their lowly state. You know, it's like, it's like we want to have people to minister to. I don't need people to minister to in that sense. Because God is calling an army. God is calling soldiers. God is calling people to rise up and say, no, there is over, overcoming power inside of me. And I've begun to taste it. Father, in the name of Jesus... We say, let us taste of the resurrection life. Father, you have put something in us that will quicken our mortal bodies. Lord, I say in the name of Jesus, let every voice that would quiet that sound be silent. Rise up, rise up, rise up, O overcoming children of God. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. Hey, 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 the sound of faith, the sound of the trembling, the sound of the moving of the many waters is inside of you.
will you believe who I say you are? Because we're in a tug of war going back and forth between, but I know me. I know how I operate. I know my failures. I know my weaknesses, and I keep doing them. But will you believe who I say you are and begin to act out of that? This is the challenge. This is the line to cross in this moment. This is all about the open your mouth and speak because the kingdom is voice activated. This is the deciding ground of who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Are you saints of God or not? Are you children of the king or not? Are you a royal priesthood or not? If you are, it's time to do some things different. It's time to be bold when fear kicks in. It's time to speak out when there's this thing saying, be quiet. It's time to make a different choice. Now, these things are easily stated, but the reality of walking it out is very different because you have two natures. One is fallen. One you're trying to put to death, and the voices that are around you every time that earthen vessel begins to speak, it's, it's, it's saying this is really who you are. You are this fallen person. And the more you believe that, the more you're unlikely to say, I have destiny. I'm going to change the world. You're embarrassed to say that because you believe the other. It's a question of faith. And so, which one will you believe? It's the one you give voice to. That's why the Bible says it's near you. The victory is near you even in your mouth. Because when you, when you have a really bad day and your spouse or your children you know, tell you who you are, you're mean, you're wicked, you're this, you're that, or and all the circumstances, all things you're feeling, you're telling you you're this worm of a person and a failure for a Christian, you tend to want to believe that. But it takes a different kind of faith to ignore the evidence. <laughs> and there is evidence, ample evidence, to say you are this fallen person. But you're not being dishonest by saying, no, I am not that person. Because who you become is based on who you say you are. Do you hear what I'm saying? But we have to deal with that. There's something in our conscience. And Paul says, you know, sometimes your conscience is against you. Because your conscience is saying, like, can you really say that with full confidence? I am royalty. I have destiny. I mean, look the way you acted yesterday. Is that hypocrisy to say I have... Well, it feels like hypocrisy, but when you're actually reaching and drawing from that place of the Spirit, it's not hypocrisy. It is just another reality that you've decided to impose on yourself, being the first parcel of earth connected to all the other parcels of earth that is creation. But you will never be able to impose the kingdom of God on the world around you until you first impose it on that parcel of ground that is you. You know, you understand what I mean when I say parcel of ground? Because we were made out of the dust of the earth. That's where that first battle is won. 
Let me tell you, every single one of us have to fight that battle. You come to church, and I've shared this before. You had an argument with the wife on the way, or the, you know, you yelled at the kids, and you're feeling like nasty Joe. So what? You know, I don't dare be bold in my faith. I'm, I'm this great Christian because I, my kids know I'm not. That duality, that pride, that that anchoring to the earth, into the earthen vessel, you have to overcome by deciding that what God says about you is more real than what you experienced 10 minutes ago. And so you're going to feel like a hypocrite when you're actually launching into the new nature. But so long as you remember who you are in your earthen vessel, it's okay. I'm not denying who my earthen vessel is. I'm just saying, I'm just leaning into destiny. I am leaning into the divine nature. I'm leaning into the fact that no, yeah, I might be dirt right now, but there's a seed there, and it's growing, and it's becoming, and there's DNA in it, and there's, there's the image of God in that, and, I'm, and every time I say that's who I am, I add to that thing. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to focus on the dirt that the seed is planted in because the dirt wants to say, look at me, look at me. I'm going to say, no, I am that. I am that. I am that. I am that. And I'll keep apologizing for the dirt. I'll keep apologizing to my kids and my wife and my world for being the earthen vessel. But that's not who I am. That's who I was. Who I am is the Son of God. A joint heir with Christ. An inheritor of the nations. Can I believe that? And can I speak it boldly? Or must I speak it sheepishly? The challenge we have every time we come in here is... I can't say that with boldness without feeling embarrassed. <laughs> overcoming that. Overcoming that. It's one of the reasons husbands and wives don't pray together. You know why it's good for husbands and wives to pray together? Because you have to put that embarrassment, that sheepishness to death. Does that make sense? We could, we could talk about this so much, but I believe there's so much destiny in this room. I believe there are ministries, there are manifestations of Christ, and they're not all going to be manifested in church language. The truth is, once you start operating in spirit and life, whatever you do will be tainted with spirit and life. That means you could be, you could be flipping burgers at McDonald's, and if you are you know, releasing spirit in life, people are going to love the way you flip burgers. What is it? The technique or what? You know, everything about you will start to be more attractive. And then people say, what, what is it you have? That's the kingdom of God going into the marketplace. It's not necessarily, you know, four spiritual laws first. It's spirit and life that you manifest. And it becomes increasingly apparent in everything you do. But you know what? Let me just say this. It's not going to be attractive to everybody. And you don't have to make it attractive. Because you know what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.15, I think it is? He says that we are the aroma of life to one, but we are the stench of death to those that are perishing. So even when you're manifesting life, it might not make you the center of the party. It might make you the stench of death to somebody. 
And it's not your job to change you being the aroma or the stench of death. Because if you're the stench of death to your community, they may not like that reminder that they're dead. Does that make sense? Father, I pray that we will be the children of God who we've called, that we, we, we know you said we are. Thank you, Lord. One last thing. Keep in mind the analogy of what I said about what's happening when the kingdom of God is coming forth. But that doesn't mean we're going to be legalistic about language. We can say, come Holy Spirit, and still that not be, you know, we're not going to be policing words, right? Because we understand when we're saying, come Holy Spirit, there's part of that, as we're releasing life, it is creating a place for God to manifest in the midst of the life that we provide. So heaven and earth are, are coming together. It just happens to begin with earth speaking first, because heaven's already done its part. So don't get all hung up about, well, I can't say this language, and I can't say, Lord, I want to draw near to you because he's already here. And we don't have to get caught up in the semantics of, of those things. It's just, it's just words. The reality behind those words is what matters most. So don't be policing everybody's language, thinking when somebody prayers, oh, that, that's, that's not according to what Mark said last week. You know, you're the river. You're not, you can't say come. We're not going to do that. You know, if you're wondering, well, you know, uh, how does this work? You know, this idea of being the river, how does that work against this scripture, against this, against, you know, and so on and so forth. So, um, just encourage you, but get in the word. Read the Bible. Particularly the things that Jesus said when he was discipling the 12. Because the model of what he was trying to draw out of them is, is the cornerstone of what the Lord is trying to draw out of you as a believer. And uh, so and we, we're going to keep saying it again and again and again and again because the kingdom of God always starts with an individual being able to bring forth spirit in life. What, what shape that takes, whether you're... After that, whether you're making documentaries or whether you're, you're doing YouTube videos or being a photographer or, or you know, serving, uh, you know, building a, uh, serving in a restaurant, all the expressions of that spirit in life are by the millions, you know, counseling, witnessing, all those things. But it has to start with spirit in life out of you, the earthen vessel. That is the kingdom model. And there's no skipping over that part. And that's, that's what we need to understand. You can't skip over that part because the essential ingredient of ev and the, what makes everything you do valid as a Christian is that it is spirit in life. That was the authority that Jesus pointed to when he shared something that was uh, somewhat hard for people to, to absorb. He said, the words I speak to you are spirit in life. In other words, he didn't need any other justification. Yeah, and he was saying, listen, there was spirit and life in that. You figure it out what it is uh, or just simply absorb it. And, uh, you know, finally, against all odds, uh, Peter said, well, this is really hard, but you do have the words of life. As the senior leader of this body, 
terms of what God is trying to do in us as disciples of Christ, I actually have very few opportunities to sort of push certain things home. And uh, I know this morning's service may be uh, extremely, feel like it's extremely repetitive to, to some of us, but ultimately uh, the kingdom of God is going to be repetitive in the same way your life is repetitive. When you go to work, you have to draw on the same energy to make yourself get up and have a shower and shave. And so, uh, similarly, we're drawing on the same things to get into the Spirit. All right.